0: Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of The London Circle. Today I'm speaking with Hamza Tozal who became famous as the youngest and first Arab and Muslim Lord Mayor of Westminster. I'll be speaking with him about his social upbringing, about the housing estates where he grew up and the impact of his progression on others. Enjoy. You know, it's uh, the fact that uh, an Arab, a Muslim, young man like yourself in your early 20s becomes the Lord Mayor of Westminster, uh, a district of London where I doubt very much that anyone around the world hasn't heard of and uh, millions flock to every single year visiting. It's something which is, it's, it's truly historic because you are officially the youngest Lord Mayor um, of Westminster, you are officially the first Arab Muslim Lord Mayor of Westminster, but in the whole scheme of things, you know, your life, your background, your studies, your graduate of political studies, your family, your social conditions, because, you know, you lived in basically social housing. Still do. <laughs> and still do. Still do. What does that actually mean? What, what, what does it mean? What, how, did that, how does that impact you, let's say? How did that impact you in the past? How does that impact you day to day?
1: Well, I was, as as you were saying that, I was just thinking, is being is being elected as Lord Mayor my greatest achievement to date. That, that's that's what I was framing it in my mind. And for me, it's, I I look back at it and say, I don't know. My instincts want to say absolutely. There's nothing better than being Lord Mayor, 100. percent But then I go back to 2018, when I was an 18 year old standing in my first ever election up in Queen's Park up all night on the results night when everyone's counting the votes like 3am, 4am, all the other results are coming in and I'm sort of waiting for Queen's Park and they, it's not meant to be alphabetical but they, <laughs> Queen's Park's normally towards the end so it's like 4.30, 5am and I'm sitting there as an 18 year old, still my first year at uni, haven't achieved anything yet, nothing crazy and then the results come in and I'm hearing Paul de Moldenburg elected, Patricia McAllister elected and then it says Hamza Tolzad elected with over 2000 votes with the third highest amount of votes in Westminster at the time. I think I have to say that was, that's up there. I don't want to commit and say but maybe it was my greatest achievement because for me, that's where it all kicks off. Where else are you going to find an 18 year old who was born and raised in Westminster being able to represent their city as one of their own councillors? It's just unheard of. So for me, that's where my journey, I'd like to say began. That's where but then it did it because if you go back to a couple of years before when I did my youth parliament stuff and I was a member of youth parliament, again, elected by young people to represent Westminster. So from the age of 16, it's always been, what more can I do to help my people? What more can I do to help my local people? What can I do to improve the lives of young people?
0: What, what, what would you say that drove you at such a young age? to aspire to pursue this kind of career was it something that you just stumbled on was it was it a, a decision that you thought of was it something that your family advised you to do What what, well, what
1: this is the thing it's when I I've always enjoyed knowing stuff and when I say knowing stuff I don't mean necessarily academically I don't mean sort of being smart in class or anything like that I just meant knowing what's going on in the area what's good I wanted to be the first person who You can go to school and say to my friends, oh, you know, yeah, they're going to be knocking down this building or they're going to be changing the park. Or someone says, oh, why does the park close at seven? I want to be the one who says to them, oh, it closed at seven because this person did this and this person did that. And that's always been within me. But I think when I hit the age of 16, I was doing politics for A-levels as well at the time. I thought to myself, wait a minute, I've lived in Liston Green Estate my whole life in central London. Let's right next to Marlebone Station. I haven't really sort of, explored any other area. i haven't done anything else essentially that, that was i went to the nursery primary secondary all on the same street i didn't have to i didn't have to leave my area to go to oxford street which was 10 minutes away would have seen as a whole day trip yeah which, which is crazy and for some young people that's, that's still the case but i saw things especially growing up in that area things that i didn't like i didn't understand why we had high levels of crime I didn't understand why poverty was spread throughout my ward. I didn't know it was a ward at that time, I knew it was Church Street. I didn't know why Church Street had those high levels of poverty. I didn't understand why someone growing up in my area was less likely to go to uni or less likely to be successful than someone growing up five minutes down the road in St. John's Wood or the other side of Marlebone. All of these things didn't add up. And unfortunately, when I looked up, I say looked up, when I when I looked at politicians, when I looked at other people elected, I thought to myself, "Wait a minute! There's no one, no one doing anything for me. No one doing anything for my area, and there's no one remotely young. There's, there's we, we all bang on about representing young people, but there's no one young. There's no one young representing young people. This to me didn't make any sense. That's when I first went to my youth club. I spoke to my youth worker, Tarek, and I said to Tarek, "What can I do to get involved? He said, "Well, oh, have you thought about the youth council? I was trying to look online, trying to sort of find out what's going on. Didn't get anywhere. <laughs> wasn't wasn't much information online. Luckily, he knew the guy who ran the youth council because all parts of, sort of children's services within the council. I went to my first youth council meeting, uh, all dressed up in my suit and everything as a sixty was a suit it was a six four beautiful. <laughs> I was dressed up. All the other kids were just dressed in their normal tracksuits and t-shirts. So I felt really overdressed for the first time ever. (laughs) Because normally I never wear a suit. Normally it's the opposite. I'm underdressed. So I went in and saw all these young people who, again, other young people who engaged in their communities. Whether it's in Church Street, whether it's in Soho, whether it's in Marlebone, whether it's in the West End, whether it's in Pimlico. These are other young people who care about their community, who want to make a change. And so luckily there were elections coming up to be a youth MP, put myself forward, um, went and campaigned different schools, had a little manifesto that I saw, went out and told other young people, this is what I want to improve, this is what I want to try and do. And In February of 2016, I got elected as a youth MP. So perhaps that's where it all kicked off. Maybe that's where my career started. So
0: basically, you, I mean, your drive was very much to do with the kind of social environment that you found yourself did you? I mean, this is something that you hear often uh, when you read uh, famous people's biographies, especially athletes and the such, who come from often deprived areas and deprived backgrounds. Um, they all say that when you're young, you don't really realize that you're deprived. It's the life you have. You enjoy the things that, that you have. You enjoy the people that are around you. It's just that when you uh, reach a particular age, especially when you move out, when you start meeting people either at college or university or at work who come from different areas and have different lifestyles and things that you start to realize that there's this kind of disparity but it seems that in your case you started asking those questions fairly early on there was a realization in you that there was there was an issue
1: uh, early on but for me uh not early on enough I, I i don't know why but i i almost feel as if i was almost blinded up until i was 16 i almost didn't. Understand what was happening, or maybe not. Maybe not. I didn't know, but I didn't understand because all of the things we talk about nowadays, which are really topical, whether it's discrimination, racism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for me, I didn't experience that growing up in my area under the age of sixteen. For me, everyone everyone ate halal food. That was just that's a normal thing. I just didn't didn't see it as any different. We had allowed butchers, we had a of shop, even the fast food chains were were allowed in my area. So for me, that wasn't a thing. And it's something small like that. Once you get older and you go into the real world, you realize. Wait a minute it's not all like that you go to other parts of the country it might be harder for me to find something to have um whether it's going to my local mosque regents park mosque for me that was a standard thing i didn't realize there might be some communities that don't have a local mosque or some people that have to travel a lot further to reach a mosque now for me these are things i took for granted and it was only until i was over 16 that i realized and thought wait a minute that's not that's not the case anymore. That just that just isn't how the world is. But also,
0: I have to say, it's it's admirable that at that young age, you decided to be part of the solution. You decided that you can, you actually can. You have the capacity to change things. Uh, that's I, I'm sure that that came from somewhere. I mean, your family, probably your community. What where did that come oh, from? I've,
1: I've always been. Uh, I, used to, I I used to have three people in my life who were. Uh, the most important, that was my, my mother, my grandmother, and my auntie. Uh, in no particular order, I'm not talking about it. <laughs> um, but these, these are the three women who in my life have always been, always been there for me. They've always guided me. They've always told me what to do. They've always helped me. They've always suggested things. Um, whether it's a, a career decision, whether it's deciding what, what color T-shirt to buy. It was, it was always those three people, uh, their opinion, their understanding of life would help guide me in the future. So I think growing up, it was, I wouldn't say d- dependent on, on their views, but Henry I saw the struggle. I, I, saw, right. I saw things that I, that I thought, that's not fair. It, it just it simply isn't fair. And I know fair is quite a, obviously a subjective of word course. and it could can, can mean anything to anyone. But for me, it wasn't, it wasn't fair. Why is it that I, growing up in Listen green estate, was going to have a life expectancy that's possibly 10 to 15 years lower than someone a mile away in Mayfair? This, this, for me, literally wasn't fair. Why is it a young person in, uh, I don't know, in, in, in St. John's Wood is going to be more likely to to go to university, get a decent job and graduate? Whereas for me, it's, it's not going to happen. Mm. It was quite a pessimistic view that was put onto us. Uh, I, I, and that's the way I describe it. But I say put onto us because it's, there's ways to change those circumstances. There's ways to improve people's lives. But we're almost being put into that little corner and told to accept that's your future, that's your life. Anything that would have been and I always say this, anything that maybe 20, 30 years ago that would have seen a standard to maybe get a normal job, maybe buy your own house, get married, settle down, all of these things that were seen as standard were now seen as a privilege or a gift or you're lucky. You hear it all the time going out, you say, Someone's got a job. Oh, he's lucky to have a job. Or well, she's lucky to have a job. why is that why is that lucky? Why is why, that why, why, why is that why is that luck? Oh, they they're lucky they moved out. Why is that lucky? It, again, all of these things, it doesn't, for me, that didn't make any sense. And that's where the, the fairness element, I guess, uh, came into it.
0: Not far from you, um, and you must have been what, 15, 16 when Grenfell happened. And that falls within Westminster. Just outside. Just outside. Just outside. But um, the, the local community were affected oh, hugely. How did that make you feel? Do you remember where you I do, were? I do, I do. Remember- uh,
1: it's because uh, it, it happened at night, it was my psychology A level. I was doing my psychology A level at the time, so it was twenty seventeen. It was my, I think it was my second. It was my last psychology, or maybe two out of three. And that whole night, we were already staying up, so it was quite a hard exam. It was a long run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I struggled, struggled a little bit in psychology when I when it came to the exam. But obviously, being from Morocco, there's a huge Moroccan community there. But that that part of Laber Grove and sort of Ken North Ken. <laughs> I used to go to to Westway and play football when I was younger. I used to go to Latimer Road. I used to go to Goldbourne Road with my granddad and sit in the cafe in Trillick downstairs playing. I don't know if he used to play dice, but I used to play whatever game, and I'd be there sort of running around with the kids trying to find something to do. But that was that was my community just as much as it was anyone else who lives there. So again, it's it, it's it's hard. It's hard because you you think about you think about the amount of lives that were lost, needlessly lost, with Needless no purpose, you know. exactly, with no um, not a single thought in sight no one um again we we talk about it after it's happened and it's a shame that we even have to talk about it in the sense that Grenfell should never have happened it could have been prevented it didn't have to be the way it was yet we look at time and time again and we we look at unfortunately our neighbors in C, and say what did they do what could they have done to prevent it and now how many years on six years it's going to be seven years next year and we still haven't the town still, still stands. We still haven't got any answers. Covered. We still don't no know what's going to happen. No one liable. Is anyone going to go to jail? Is anyone going to be persecuted? Is anyone going to prosecuted? Is anyone going to go to prison? Is anyone, is anyone going to get in trouble? Is anyone going to get told off? Is anyone going to lose the, the financial gain they made out of Grenfell?
0: Mm-hmm. These are the questions which I think have been going on for far too long. From what you know now, what are the answers to those questions? Why is it that we, that years on, with dozens of lives, needlessly lost like you said why is it that it seems extremely unlikely that anyone is going to be told D- off? why of, is it that, that that yeah you know that people haven't been held to account until now why is that
1: so for me it's it's the, the bureaucracy within an organization finding <clears throat> out who said yes who said no who's given permission who hasn't given permission which email has been ignored which email hasn't been ignored etc cetera, etc cetera. going down the chain trying to find out who who is to blame Again, knowing from my own council experience, it takes time to find out anything, pretty much anything, whether who's changed that street sign. It's it takes you a year to find out who's actually given permission to do it. But when it comes to Grenfell, unfortunately, and I, I don't like to say this a lot, but because it was, it was our people, I say our people, people in, who live in social housing, does it really matter to, to those in charge? And I, and I struggled to say this because I'm now one of those people in charge, but in a, in a different borough. Now, I'd like to think that we'd never have let that happen if it was Westminster, or if it was another borough, they would never have let that happen. But the reality is that it could have happened in any borough. That lack of uh, consideration sometimes for people in social housing, for poorer people, for people at the lower end of, of, of life, they don't, how much of a voice do they really have? And this is why it's important that we don't forget about Grenfell. It's important that we keep on banging on about it. It's important that we keep on bothering those in charge of the questions. It's important that they have the marches every month. It's important that people get together. It's important that the council has a, a dedicated person who who deals with, with Grenfell. And I think they do now. I think there is a directorate that leads down to help people who are still suffering. And that's the reality. People are still suffering. You think about the people who lost their lives. You think about people and 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 this is quite quite close to my heart because i've i've lost three people this year but it will never go away whether it's one year whether it's two years whether it's three four five six seven eight whether it's 30 years on those young people are going to grow up in the shadows of grenfell remembering that the local authority the council essentially let their people die that's that's the bottom line that's the and i make no excuses for for the demand the outrage that people on the ground have it's important that hopefully, I don't know when, but hopefully we get somewhere and only time
0: will tell. What, uh, what made you join Labour? Why, why Labour? What, so was, fun, what yeah. was so attractive? that Let's say you chose it over. the I mean, because by that time, I, I take it that the Conservatives were, were in power. So, why I mean, not It would cons- have
1: been an easy option to, yeah. to join the Conservative yeah. Party as, as a young. They would have loved and it. especially in Westminster. They would have loved it. Yeah, they would have loved it. Absolutely, it would have been absolutely amazing. young person, once he's finished be a youth MP. For a minority to join, community. Yeah, for minority community. Great Takes every, every box possible. Absolutely. Join the Conservative Party. We'll find you a safe seat, plenty of safe seats in Westminster to stand as a councillor get you elected, put you in the cabinet tomorrow. That's That was the... Uh, so why not? I even had conservatives asking me at the time, Hamza and White, join us. You can still change your mind, they said to me. You're still young. You can still change your mind. No one's going to take notice of when you were 16, 17, if you crossed the floor. But for me, it's, it was it was more than that. For me, it was who do I think cares about my community? Mm. And that was that's always the bottom line. It's who do I think represents my voice better? Who do you think represents my community better? And obviously there's a family influence. My family have always voted Labour. They've always been Labour supporters when it comes to election time. As the vast majority
0: of minority communities. Our our
1: link, and this is a very basic link, but our link or my link at the time was poor people, Labour, Labour helps poor people. That, That was simply... The bottom line that yeah, was it that was it it was it wasn't complicated it wasn't insightful it wasn't too political too analytical no too... no it was literally who helps poor people who's going to help me and my family labor it was, it was and, you were, as,
0: and you were thinking on a very local level very local level about forget, crime yeah, about poverty on, yeah. about schooling About what's going on throughout health. the country
1: at the time for me it was what's going on in church street it wasn't even a whole of westminster <laughs> it was just what's going on in my in my area Another thing, it was only one pound uh, to join the membership mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> was really cheap. That must have been quite it was, attractive.
1: Uh, it was hilarious because they, they called me a year later and they said to me, do you want to renew your direct debit? <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I, said, I said, how much is it? He said to me, it was a pound. And he started laughing as well. I said, just take it. I was like, take 10 years in advance. is no problem. Um, it's a bit more now, now that I'm a counsellor. But that was, uh, again, not, not to discredit it, but that was one of the reasons I thought, it's a pound, so
0: what, well, in a I way, I mean, you lose. have to think about to it. it's it's a way to basically remove obstacles from people yeah. joining. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good exactly. thing. Definitely.
1: So I, I was sixteen. I think I was sixteen when I joined uh, Labour Party. So I was halfway through my year as a youth MP, and the role of youth MP is apolitical, political, uh, similar to that of Lord Mayor. So you, you sort of don't get involved in the politics. Mm. So I sort of joined the Labour Party. Was trying to find out what I needed to do to actually get elected as a councillor, um, and then figured out my
0: way through and got there. And how did that resonate within your family, your community, local, as well as back home? I mean, what They were, what they were over
1: the moon, my, my, especially the community growing up in, in that area. Uh, word spreads around pretty quick, pretty quickly. Uh, and even back home, which I was really surprised because I don't have much much family in Morocco. Most of my family my is here, of course. So when they found out I was I was standing uh i remember i i kept it a little bit quiet at the time because i thought oh, you yeah, know just in case i lose i don't want it i don't <laughs> want it to be a sort of anti-climax and you know hands lost it you know it's like i don't want any of that i'd rather just surprise them and say i've won and again it comes back to that night once i was elected then you can see the whole area sort of think wait a minute heaven you you got elected you're a, you're a councillor now you're one of the one of the executive, one of the elite, and I'm like, no, no,
0: no. I'm just a, <laughs> Did just they a start asking you yeah. about British foreign <laughs> yeah, policy? It's hilarious. I it was like, I'm like 18. They're like, Hamza,
1: can you do this for us? Can you, can you do this? So it's like, I can't. i completely honest, I can't. Um, but it was also interesting representing a ward that I didn't necessarily live in. And I say ward because obviously Westminster split up into 18 different wards, yeah. and these wards are like five minutes apart. But again, growing up in in Church Street, I wouldn't go to Queen's Park. Queen's Park has a different estate called the Mozart Estate. And growing up, it was, oh, don't go to that estate. Don't go to that estate. And the same thing for those people growing up there. Don't go to Listen green. Don't go to Listen green. So it was interesting representing an area that was 10 minutes away, but it was so similar to my area growing up. It's the same same sort of focus. They have an estate. They have the main road. They have the residential places. That's, again, they have the GP, their school, the same, same problems. Challenges. Exactly the same. And to think that this is an area so close to home that previously I hadn't been to that much so I got to learn it learn about Queen's Park really quickly again because of the similarities and once I was elected again it was it was balancing the university life it was balancing uh doing the council stuff it was balancing a whole range of different things and I'd like to think I was able to to get through that especially those first four years
0: I I recall between probably 2003 to about 2016 2016 um i was asked to get involved in a number of cases involving gangs and in some cases where there were fatalities there were young people who you know got into gang fights and uh, and territory disputes and whatever and um, the outcomes were tragic on many in many cases and uh, on several occasions i my organization the cordoba foundation we got involved at the request of either the families or the police or the local council and the impact of those tragedies were i i I still recall the uh, uh, the absolute devastation felt by the families by the siblings by the sisters by the aunts by the mothers of young men Particularly young men. Uh, and I'm talking here specifically about the Moroccan community, Hammersmith, as well as Queen Queen's Park and Malibone, and, and it, 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 you know, it's something that that still is with me. Uh, it's, it was tangible. You know, you could feel the the depth of pain, the depth of surely you grew up with that being around. What what was your um how, how did you see that? Did you see that as something Did you understand that this was born out of social conditions and that this wasn't about people being inherently bad or organically built in order to become part of gangs and to do drugs? And what was your take on those kinds of uh, events?
1: So growing up, you would occasionally hear of a stabbing here and there. you'd hear someone passed away or someone was stabbed and they survived, or it was to do with this gang-related issue, it was to do with drugs, it was to do with girls, it was to do with... It could be absolutely anything. It could be within family members. It was, it was just a dispute and someone gets stabbed. And you almost are taught to accept that's the way life is. You're almost taught to be desensitized to it. You're almost taught it's a standard of, of living that you... I'll, again, I'm not going to go back to the word luck, but you, you be happy with what you've got. <laughs> That's what we're taught. Be happy it wasn't you. And unfortunately, that narrative has gone on for too long. And even when I was Lord Mayor last year, I think we had maybe two or three stabbings, uh, fatalities, fatal stabbings within the area. And I went to one of them as Lord Mayor as a, when they had a little memorial afterwards. And you could see the pain within... People again. People who weren't affected. People who were just living in the area who came down to do a vigil. We had the local church. We had the local mosque. We had community members. People from outside of the community. People who maybe knew the young man. People who didn't. All coming around at the front of the estate um, in the evening, having the candlelit vigil, and we're all sitting there, and then it it almost hit me. I don't know why it hit me hit me then and there, but I was wearing my I was wearing my chains, and I was sort of talking to people and. Again, people know me, so people are sort of really happy. Hamza, thank you for coming, etc. But I'm sitting there and thinking that could have been my little brother. My brother's 16; he's in that prime age. Unfortunately, but that, that, that's that's the reality of it. And I'm thinking, imagine this was my brother or my other little brother when he's a bit older, or my little sister. Imagine it was me. Is this is this where it all ends up? Is this is this an, is this a normal? Again, I, I don't know how to quantify it. I don't know how to put it into words because it's we keep seeing a young person get stabbed. We keep hearing of knife crime. We keep hearing of this and that. But we don't we don't want to talk about, like you said, the reasons why they're in that position. A lot of blame is put on to young people. A lot of blame is young people are lazy, young people not bothered, young people want quick money, uh, social media has destroyed the minds of young people, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is it's their the social circumstances, the the estates they've grown up in, the conditions they've grown up in, uh, have led to where they are today. And going back to my point from earlier, those young people aren't allowed to to dream. They're not allowed to be ambitious. It's very much, oh, I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna leave when I'm 16. Oh, what do I do now? I realize I can't afford anything. Let me get involved in this. Let me get involved in this. Sometimes even younger than 16, normally is younger than 16, 12, 13 year old, doing stuff they shouldn't have to be doing. And you, we, we very rarely question the the reasoning behind and the purpose behind the intentions of those young people, but just going back to that vigil when I was there, there was a lady. She was absolutely in tears. She was she was really upset, and I thought it was possibly the mother or the auntie or, or someone related. She was reciting Quran. She was re- really emotional, really really upset. And I went and spoke to her. I said, "No, she's not not related at all. She's just fed up of seeing our young people die, and that's the reality of it." You think about a lot of the parents, especially from those who come from abroad. They've come from places with really tricky life, the real, the real hardships, the the real tricky lives. They've come here, they've raised their children here. Most of them are probably born here, something their kids. And you think this is what they end? They, they escape one war, to to end up in a victim. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's where do you go as a mother? Where is your child really safe? Unfortunately, we've seen time and time again that. Maybe there's, again, I, I don't know what the answer is.
0: I don't know. There is no, I don't think there is an answer anyway. Let's uh, move forward. Uh, you became Lord Mayor of Westminster. How did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> That's a
1: good question. Um. So we had the election in 2022, uh, which feels like a really long time. It only lasts, yeah, really two, last two, year. Almost two years coming up. Yeah, a <laughs> year and a half now. We had the election. We fought a strong campaign. Now, just so people understand the picture behind it, the Conservatives had 41 councillors before the election, and we had 19. We're talking about Westminster. Westminster. Right. They had 41 councillors and we had 19. Mm. So they had more than double. So when we have a council meeting, we have a vote on something, half of them cannot turn up at all and still and still win, win a vote quite comfortably. They could still win it. Not an issue in the world. No, no concerns. Everyone's happy. It's this back to normal sort of thing. So we fought the election. Uh, we hit them really hard on a. I don't know if you remember the Marble Arch mound, of course. Which yeah, yes. how can you not remember? So they spent about yes, I say they the Conservatives spent about six or seven million taxpayers' money on building a mound, <laughs> which <ridiculous>. they <laughs> again ridiculous. what they thought was going to happen. I have absolutely no clue. To this day. I I never went up on it, I didn't see a reason. That, that it's just a waste of time. They tried to charge people
0: at the start and yeah. realized it wasn't gonna work. No, and, and then they, they started promoting come and visit. It was come hilarious. And see. It was hilarious. It the amount of money that was spent absolutely on it absurd. was scandalous. Absurd. It was
1: how that money was approved and accepted <laughs> is bizarre. It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um, so we hit them hard on that. The election came. Obviously, there was lots of stuff going on at the time with Boris and, and nationally, the Conservative Party was all over the place. And national party does influence uh, local local politics quite a lot, so they were in a bit of a shambles. That helped Labour locally within Westminster. And election came, and they were going through the results, and we thought, "Wait a minute, is this is this real? Are we are we actually going to have a chance if we get winning? Are we going to get close?" Because they, so they changed the boundaries a little bit, so it's fifty four councillors overall. Mm. And we were going through the results night, during the night, so 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and we saw different wards go through. And how election counts work is the candidates are allowed to be in the room and you're allowed to sit in front of the person counting your votes So mm-hmm. in just in case they make a mistake. If there is a mistake, you can point it out and say, I think you put down the wrong pile. Mm-hmm. And it goes through like four or five. This is not like a one-time, they count it first time and it's over. No, they pass it, pass it on to the next person, count, double-check, triple-check, quadruple-check. They check it as many times as they possibly can. Until they announced the results, especially if it's close, and we won some wards within Westminster. I think it was Lancaster Gate I think it was like three votes in between the, the in between all three candidates it was it was really close uh, and then it came out that we 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 won and we we sat there all we don't know what to do. it's like everyone's sort of on the clouds we we're, we're sort of on cloud nine we're just sitting there a little bit buzzing, a little bit daisy, and it's thinking, wait a minute, we've just won just won the election that means our lives are changing it's it's generally like winning the lottery it's, it's like you're, from that day onwards all of our lives have changed whether you're uh, the leader whether you're a cabinet member whether you're just a backbench councillor all of our lives have changed from the day we've won the election and i um, remember the next day or oh, the day after so it was a friday they finished saturday we had our group meeting our first ever group meeting i was suddenly sitting around the table with 31 councillors and the conservatives had 23 a lot of new faces, some old faces. Uh one counselor who's due to retire won his seat. <laughs> he went and stood somewhere else and won. And he's back now as a as a as a counsellor. And he's been there for over thirty years, I think almost forty years. And for him, he's just again over the moon. I'm really happy for him in a sense, because he's he's waited, he's put in the work and he, he's finally got to to being in charge of something, uh, which is yeah, amazing. So we had the election, Saturday he came out, our leader, and he was giving different people their cabinet positions. So he'd say you're cabinet member of housing, your cabinet member of finance, and I felt a bit left out. I thought, oh, I really want to be a cabinet member for young people. I, I forget Lord Mayor, it wasn't even wasn't even in the thoughts, it was it wasn't in the pipeline, it wasn't in the plans. We finished the meeting and then he said to me, Have you got have you got a second? I said, Yeah, yeah sure. Like, What's up? What can I do? <laughs> what can I do for you? And then he said to me, So we've been discussing, and Lord Mayor. And it was literally just two words, Lord Mayor. And I just looked at him. uh, I said, who? I said, who's going to be Lord Mayor? He said, no, no, we want want you to be Lord Mayor. And literally from that day onwards, my life life pretty much changed. I, I never thought I'd be able to represent my city at the very highest level after being born in Lissing Green and growing up in that estate didn't add up i thought maybe 20 30 years uh, within the council and they might they might give it to me as a, as a thank you gift whether in my 50s or 60s but there's no way they'll give it to me at 22 and it was from
0: that point onwards, I, I was able to represent my city. And I'm pretty sure your friends and family thought surely now he could influence British foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> it, was hilarious.
1: Honestly, it was hilarious from that day, from literally the day after, so I had to keep it quiet for a couple of days. And then the Wednesday before I was elected, they did the announcement on social media and everything. And people started to find out and ITV came and BBC and all the sort of big broadcasters and a lot of Arab broadcasters that, that came to me as well. And they said to me, Hamza, like, can you do this us? can you do this? And Suddenly, I had a social media team and someone who did my media for me, which is hilarious because I was, as a counselor, we sort of manage everything ourselves. So, someone emails us, we email them back. If someone wants an interview, we email them back. If someone wants to to meet us for a residence issue, we email them back. Suddenly, I didn't have to do that. I had people who did that for me. That was bizarre. That was honestly that was that was the weirdest thing because it would be like I was no longer in control of my diary someone else controls your diet, someone else puts this, and these are all obviously very privileged things, but being at the age of 22, suddenly being thrown into this massive corner office at the top of City Hall, suddenly being the, the first citizen, suddenly wearing my chains of office wherever I go, suddenly wearing the robes pretty much wherever I go, it was just massive to me. And people locally, Thought I, was, I thought I was the king, pretty much. It was hilarious. It was <laughs> hilarious. I even had someone recently, as last week, say to me, you the king. Because <laughs> <It was hilarious. laughs> when you finish being Lord Mayor, you can still deputise every now and again. So every now and again, I deputise for the current Lord Mayor. So I get to wear the chains every now and again. And someone said to me, you the king. And I was like, no, I was like, no. I
0: was like not yet, not yet. <laughs> I mean, funny you should mention that because, I mean, in your year, um, the queen passes away. And King Charles III is coronated as king, and that happens in your in your council. I know.
1: And uh, the Platinum Jubilee at the very start. The very platinum start. Jubilee? At the very yes, start. So before that. Yes. May came when I was elected. A couple of weeks later, we had the Platinum Jubilee, and I never, never thought in a million years. I, I, did, you know, I didn't even think about the Jubilee at, at the time because I thought a oh, Jubilee, I watch it on TV. I didn't realize I was going to be there. <laughs> Uh, we went into Buckingham Palace, uh, myself and a fellow councillor, and we were walking around the palace. It's like, oh, that's the first minister of Scotland. That's this. That's this. That's this person. That's this person. And we're just sort of starstruck, all of us, especially being that sort of political person. You're quite starstruck when you see senior politicians. And that's the leader of the Labour Party. That's the Prime Minister. That's the Foreign Secretary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All these government ministers. Oh, that's the ambassador. But yeah, you sort of get a bit nerdy about it. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> we are walking out. And the one of the, the equerries, the lady came to me and said to me, you, you're Lord Mayor. And at that point, again, I thought it was game over. I thought, oh, they caught me. That's it. I need to. <laughs> They're going to kick me out now. The wrap is over. They know who I am. Uh, Hamza's, Hamza's going to get kicked out. <laughs> she said to me, no, no, we've changed your seats. And this is for the, the Jubilee concert. This is the first night. So I knew I was in the Royal Box. And that, for me, was enough. That was, I'm thankful. I'm in a box. That's quite nice. And then she gave me my new ticket and I was going up and it said row B. And I still got the ticket at home and it said, it said row B. And I thought uh, probably from the back, maybe they start A at the back and B and then sort of uh, as, as as you go on. And I realized, no, it's the second row. And I I tell the story all the time because I always find it a bit funny when I look back on it. But the seats next to me, they all had little names. can, like, so did mine. It said Lord Mayor of Westminster. And the seat next to me said HRH, HRH, HRH. <laughs> and I don't know if it was just me at the time, but I was really struggling to understand who HRH was. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, what sort of initials are they? I was like, what sort of, uh, what acronym is that? Who's, who's like, hurrah? I was like, I had no clue. And I put two and two together and I saw Princess Eugenie and Beatrice and other members of the royal family sort of coming to my left and right. And I thought, wait, I'm sitting in the same row as them forget sitting around. I'm sitting on the same row as the royal family. And then before you know it, you see Charles, you see William, you see everyone come in, and they're all sitting on that front row. And I was sitting directly behind uh, the future king. I was sitting behind Prince William and, and, and his two children, and I thought, four well, three children, actually. Yeah, I was sitting behind all the children, and it was like, is this really happening? Am I really there? And I forgot the camera was going to be on me. So I was like, in my head, I was talking to my, 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 my counsellor colleague, and I said to her, I was like, oh, people are not going to believe me. I need to. I really want to film me. I want to prove to people that <laughs> that I'm here. And then someone said to me, uh, "No, you're going to be in line of sight. You're going to be in the camera." And then the Prime Minister walks in at the time. Boris walks in behind me. I'm thinking, I'm more important than the Prime Minister. I'm like, this is, this is not not too bad of a gig. I'm quite happy. I happy I got it. And I think it's from that day, I realised. Wait a minute. I am now in this circle. I am now in this circle of events. I am now. With this group of people to an extent, obviously I'm not a member of the royal family, but I'm I'm representing Westminster at any royal event. So before you knew it, September came along, Queen passed away, um, and again it's uh, people would say, "How do you feel when the Queen passed away?" It was sad. Um, it, was, it was really, it was really sad. We, we were we were distraught. It was even my grandmother. My grandmother came in seventy one or seventy two. My grandfather she was she was upset as well she was in tears because it's it's a familiar face it's someone you almost think is always going to be there you just don't you don't take it into consideration you don't realize the work and effort they've put in so they pass away and it's suddenly what what happens now but we had our protocols within the council we had our systems we knew what to do we knew what we had to do and then the funeral came along they said to me i'm allowed a plus one so I said, okay, fantastic. A lot of bids came through from all my friends and family. They said, oh, can you take me? Can you take me? I'm a counsellor as well. Can you take me? And then I said to my mum, do you want to come? She said, yeah, absolutely. So then I, I, I know there's an image I, I always look back at, but it's it's me and my mum walking in to the Abbey, uh, my mum wearing her headscarf and dressed in all black, and me wearing my my sort of morning coat again, dressed in all black with my chains on, being walked up and as as an important person to my seat in the Abbey. And to have that is just, it's unheard of. It just is, to have that Probably representation. Probably most of the
0: questions that came my way, and I had hundreds of questions texted and calls and the such, was, who is this? Yeah. Who what is this? And it's so Particularly, important. you know, your good yeah. mother yeah. walking in with her hijab in the midst of the collection of world dignitaries yeah, and exactly. who's who from around the world, political and non-political. Yeah, everyone's
1: thinking, who's, who's that? was thinking, who, who are these people? But to have that representation on TV, to have that representation at such an event, again, you go back to, to the, the previous uh, funeral of, of a monarch. Did we have that representation in the same way? Probably not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't think we did. So it's, 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 it's a joy to be a, a little bit Uh, a small part of history at least to show that there is representation Mm. to show that people like me can reach these sorts of levels and then
0: obviously the coronation
1: and then the coronation who would have thought the coronation I, I knew I was going to go to the coronation uh, because I was, I was at, the, at that time, I was almost the By that the time, you, like, you were cocky enough I'm, to <laughs> think I should be there. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking for my seat. I'm like, where well, am I going to be sitting at? <laughs> so it started off, but, yeah, when I was, when I first became Lord Mayor, my main concern was, am I going to go? At the end of it is, which seat am I sitting at? Because I, I knew I was going to go. And the actual nice shiny card that came through only came through like a, a week before. And again, we already got confirmation I was going, but I really wanted my invite. I said, I, I want, I want the official invite. And I, I saw, so obviously, I was going to the Abbey and I was thinking, where am I, I going to be sitting? Am I going to be sitting sort of further back? And am I in my seat in the Abbey? So the Lord Mayor of Westminster has their own seat in the Abbey. So the Lord Mayor of Westminster is also a Deputy High Steward of Westminster Abbey. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a role within the Abbey, a sort of ceremonial type role. And we're a member of college too. So I thought, am I going to be sitting in my seat? They said, no, no, you're not going to be sitting in your seat for that one. And again, this brought me back to my my first event at the Jubilee. I thought, oh, they've pushed me back. It's the end of my year now. Nah, they don't really care about me. They're going to throw me all the way back. Um, and then, no, I was, I, was, I was taken in, walked in, said hi to the Archbishop of Canterbury, said hi to the, the Dean of Westminster Abbey, made my way through with one of the stewards and we kept on going, kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. And I thought, wait a minute, this is where where the royal family is sitting. And this is where uh, foreign heads of states are sitting. So kings and queens from abroad. And I went, it was like a special carpeted area, a nice little stand. And I was sitting again, like three rows from where they actually put the crown on the king. And I thought, so to my left was the Lord Mayor of the City of London. uh, To my right was the Speaker of the House. And to his right was the Lord Speaker. So we had a little four robed chairs because we were all wearing the same robes so they have uh gold and black and i have a blue and gold and lord mother city was wearing his coronation robes which were quite posh and fancy with the red and the white collar and i thought is this is this real mm-hmm. but it, it for me it summed up my year really nicely mm-hmm. that was a nice that was for me the year that is complete. An exceptional year, and that was say... for me the the year is complete i didn't have yeah that was i didn't have any I don't have any worries I don't have any concern I didn't say to myself oh I wish I did that No, I, alhamdulillah I, I did what I did and the year was complete the and after that anymore. you went back to your
0: housing state yeah
1: went back to to, to listen green went back to it's weird because even so the lord mayor we have a car we have a mayor's car um with mace bearer Steve and he he drives us around he's the mace bearer he holds the gold mace he's got his uniform as well and that sort of thing but that car had never been into listen green <laughs> before so he would drop me off and everyone's looking out the window and it's like, who's, who's that? And I'm going to my, my grandmother's flat, flat 14, and I'm saying, it's, not, it's hilarious. Or Steve would come up with me sometimes, put the chains on at home. My grand would be sitting on the sofa and she'd be looking. And it's in, it's in. that was the first, I the first time I had to wear the chains. I sat down with my mom and grand, and we took a picture. Uh and I've I would never never lose that picture. For me, that's the the smile on their faces and the, the happiness that they experienced
0: helped to bring on my happiness. Mm. And it was just uh yeah, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. What kind of impact does that have? The sight of the mayor's car coming into the housing state what impact does that have on the young boys and girls of that estate? On the people who also belong to that yeah. community. That demographic, yeah. And also face and likely to face the same challenges that we spoke of earlier what kind of impact do you think that has on them what how does that alter their thinking their ambitions their hopes their dreams i think for other young people especially the really young ones and when i want say young people
1: i mean obviously anyone who's relatively young but especially those who are little 10 11 12 Especially in the summer I see them riding their bikes around the estate or walking around or whatever. Oh Mayor, mayor, you're the mayor, you're the mayor, you're the mayor, oh Hamza, do this. Oh Hamza, what about this? Hamza, oh, can I see inside the car? Oh, Hamza, can I feel the chain? Hamza, can I do this? Kids who I've never met felt that sense of security. They felt comfortable enough to approach me because they know I'm from the area. And it's one of those things growing up in the area, you almost just know who's from the area and you know you know who's isn't from their demeanor, from their personality, from the way they speak, from the way they walk. You kind of know who's, who's grown up in, in Lissing Green or who hasn't grown up or who's come from a different estate or come from another area. So these young people felt comfortable enough to approach me. They felt comfortable enough to talk to me. And these are young people who I hope have the best possible outcomes in, in life. But unfortunately, like I said earlier, we live in a tricky, tricky world, a very tricky world. And the older they get, put, there's going to be challenges they face. And I'm only hopeful that they can able to get out on the other side and still carry on to whatever success they're due. So in terms of answering the question, when, when young people... I hope I've been able to inspire young people. I hope young people are able to feel if Hamza's done it, then so can I. And actually, really, that's how it should be. I was in the, the opposite position when I was younger. I, d- I didn't see the Lord Mayor... I didn't say Lord Mayor at all, but I didn't think of Lord Mayor and think, oh, I could be, I could be Lord Mayor. Mm-hmm. Didn't come across my mind. I didn't look to being a councillor and say, oh, I could be a councillor. I don't look even Even now, and this is this is a scary thing. I always say to myself, oh, I want to become an MP. I want to do this, I want to do that. But then in the back of my head, I'm thinking, can I? Is it possible? Mm-hmm. As so After all the things I've been through, all the relative success I've had, I'm still questioning whether I can do something. And that's almost because of the mindset that I've that I've I have due to where I where I live and where I've grown up. It's oh, would they let you be an MP Hamza? Will they would they let you would they let you stand somewhere? Or how do you even stand in the first place? What steps do you need to take? Do I need to join this? Do I need to start doing this? Maybe I need to tweet a bit more. Maybe I need to and it's, there's so many questions that are popping into your head and only only until you get there will you know how to do it. And that's what I say to young people, don't worry about the little stuff. Don't worry about the sort of day-to-day stuff. Just think about the end goal. Think about what you're trying to do and how you're going to get there. And eventually, each step of the way, there's going to be someone, there's going to be something that happens that's going to
0: help you get there. And that's life. That's just the way life works. Let me take you a little bit out of your zone into the world of politics a little bit. Yeah. You're a member of the Labour, you're a councillor representing Labour. And we're in the midst, in the height of what's going on in Gaza, which I take it that you just like millions of families across the country, as well as around the world, are following and seeing what's happening. Suffice to say that Labour and Labour's leadership haven't been up to the standards, or in fact, they've been far away from the standards that people have required, particularly in, in terms of calling for an end to the violence what position does that put you in in a way of course you're non-political you do local stuff you help people with their daily lives but that surely must have some sort of impact on you how do people approach you you know absolutely the, the, the issue
1: of, of what goes on in the world wherever it may be but especially in palestine has always been close to my heart it's always been close to many it's, any any politician wherever they are on whichever level mm-hmm cannot avoid national politics as much as we'd like to think oh, we're councillors we we like to do the local stuff we like to help people locally national politics always trickles down to us it always affects us on a local level and if anything we're the first to get hit with public outrage or or, or public despair because they think you're you're the closest they one. Can you, see you're you. their neighbour. You, you. you live yeah. next to them. You don't have a, a house somewhere else. Yeah. So you live on their doorstep. You're the one who's going to be doing the hard work knocking when it comes to an election. There's only so many MPs. There's 10 times the amount of councillors, if not 100 <laughs> times the amount of councillors. So we're, we're everywhere. But in terms of that particular issue, I would say my, my colleagues and I, a lot of us were quite disappointed with the way the world reacted, but the way the government reacted when I say government I mean parliament so on both sides it doesn't matter who it is On three four sides it doesn't matter who it is the way their approach was instead of trying to mm-hmm. instead of trying to bring that sense of neutrality and calm it was more of a no let's let's push this war mm-hmm. let's make this war a bit stronger let's carry it on mm-hmm. until we we get our purpose and sort of seek our resolve so for me it's we used to have a lot of emails um we still do actually every now and again but at the start of it in the middle of october i would say that was when it's peaked a lot of emails from residents a lot of people really upset petitions coming through saying to us can you do this can you do that and as councillors we're split because as much as we'd like to think our voice is, is powerful and strong when it comes to a national level it's not up to us it's not up to me what labour party policy is it's not up to a conservative councillor what conservative party policy is uh, even if Labour did call for something, a ceasefire, and it was symbolic, it's symbolic. that That's the reality. You need national government, you need the Conservative Party, the party with the majority, to call for a ceasefire to make it happen. And we've seen over the last couple of months different politicians on different levels. Um, I think Sadiq's called for a ceasefire. So, uh, so uh, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, has called for a, for a ceasefire. Yeah. I think Andy Burnham as well in Manchester has called for a ceasefire. We've had senior politicians called for a ceasefire. And at the start, that wouldn't have been possible. As a Labour politician, you wouldn't have been able to do that. So it sort of swayed as it's gone along. And I think today we've even seen Conservative MPs call for a ceasefire. So I hope and I think, it's unfortunate that it's, it's taken this long to get there, but I think as a country we will sway towards calling for a ceasefire. I think there may even be a, 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 another vote. There, there's so many votes for the UN. I don't even start by the UN, but there's lots of votes about the UN. But all you need is a, a couple of countries to, to wake up a little bit and think, we're going to do this. And then that symbolic vote becomes a more actionable vote. And that's but when you it really realize that,
0: um, you know, Labour only <laughs> 75 days, 78 days ago, uh, ago were absolutely winning the next general election they were absolutely winning the next general election but since gaza they've hemorrhaged a lot of votes and a lot of people have decided not to vote for labor many resignations from uh, mps and uh, others uh, who are members of of labor up and down the country and the thing is that on gaza people don't see the difference between the conservatives and labor and that surely is a problem even for something like you and your colleagues in the councils who are, you know, working with people on the streets? Correct.
1: Yeah, and that's a dangerous, a dangerous line that we that we try. I say we that the Labour Party tried to toe mm. at the beginning. Mm. A very, very fine line because when you looked at the two policies, especially on Palestine and Israel, you'd think who's who's who who's actually deciding what who's what is the difference? And this is why I bring people back to the, the, the local issue and the national issue. It's that, that that issue will unfortunately be ongoing it's it's not going to change it's not going to change this year next year it's it's, it's going to be a while it's going to be a while I, all i can say is i hope within our lifetime it is resolved and there is some sort of peace that, that's all i can wish for but in terms of the, the party nationally when it does come to a general election we, we offer and I, I like to think we do anyway we offer so much more than the conservative party do. We've had, what, 14 years is going to be of conservative government. That's most of my life. I was born in 99, so I lived 11 years under a Labour government and fortunately 14 under a conservative government. But we've seen the failures. We've seen uh, multiple prime ministers uh, who I would also class as failures. One after the other, we've seen different foreign secretaries, different home secretaries, all of their agendas and all of their policies, some of which I think are blatantly racist influence our culture, influence how the way the world works. And to keep these people in charge, to keep these people in power, will not help the stuff that happens in Palestine.
0: It will not help. What would you say to young people who come from minorities, ethnic, religious, Arabs, Muslims, Moroccans even, um, who, who have an opinion? who are part and parcel of this country, who are born here, raised here, who lived here, who have dreams and ambitions, who want to shape the future of the country. What would you, what your message to them be?
1: i say voice your opinion, lobby your politicians, lobby those who represent you. There's no reason why not to. We, we're hearing in the news every now and again. Uh, this MP is, is all really busy. A lot of people are protesting outside there. But that, you're, that, that's our job. And I, I see that as my job as, as a councillor. If people have an issue, they need to voice that issue and let me know. And I need to work with those people to figure out how I can make a change. That's for a councillor, that's for an MP, that's for the mayor, that's people who are on the GLA. Any elected person has to represent the the voices they, they ultimately represent, the people who vote for them. So if you're not happy to engage in that conversation, if you're not happy to engage in that discussion, then maybe you need to question why you're a politician in the first place. It can't be a selfish cause. It can't be, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore everyone who lives in my area. So I would say to people, especially young people, voice your issues, get out there, make that communication valid, talk to people, understand the way you can engage and make a change. And it almost brings me back full circle to when I was when I was sixteen. I wasn't quiet. I thought I'm going to put myself in that in that position, and what I would say if there's young people nowadays, I'm sure there are who are really upset about what's going on, want to make a change, figure out a way to stand for office. Maybe that's the best way. Might not be. Maybe it's, it's through setting up an organisation. Maybe it's through protesting. Maybe it's through doing that. But why not stand for office? Why not be that decision maker? Why not be the person whose vote actually counts and go into parliament and, and and do this? And for me, that's 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 almost where I'm going. That's my ultimate aim is to get that so I can speak for. For those who are unheard,
0: any ambitions to be member of Parliament soon? Soon, I wish I wish, I wish.
1: I wish. I wish. That's my that's my ultimate yeah. aim. My ultimate aim is to get into Parliament, and I've always said to myself, I want to represent the area I've grown up in. The same way I've almost as a, as a councillor as Lord Mayor, I want to represent that area. And going back to right at the beginning, when I was saying that I'm genuinely confused about how it all works, is that confusion is there? It's not a very simple process. To get elected mm-hmm. so it could even be this time around i, I don't get elected and maybe i wait for the next five years and the people keep saying to me you're still young hamza it's no problem In five years time you're going to be uh, 29 that's, that's not an issue you can still be an mm-hmm. mp at 29 but if i'm going to help the people i've set out to help which are those who are, who are similar to me especially young people i want to do it while i am relatively young I don't want to be someone who's in their 50s or 60s in parliament saying, oh, young people need this. No, we can make our decisions ourselves. We we can represent our own people. So again, who knows, hopefully.
0: Thank you very much, Hansel. You're very welcome. Fantastic.